Welcome to the study of God's Word, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, let's open our Bibles and study God's Word. All right, good evening, everyone. My name is Byron. I'm one of the assistant pastors here as well, and um, I get the honor just to share the word with you guys tonight, and I'm excited for what God's been putting on my heart, um, and a lot what God's been putting on my heart. You know, every time I am able to teach a message, it's always something that the Lord's working through my own life, um, first and foremost, and so, um, and not only that, but um, I've also been able to share some of this with our, our high school ministry as well, and so um, having the chance to share with you guys tonight, I'm excited for what the Lord has. Um, And so would you open up to John chapter 14 um, in a message that we've titled, Let Not Your Heart Be Troubled. John chapter 14. And so we've been going, I, I oversee the high school ministry here, and we've been going through a series through John chapter 14 the last few weeks. And really just this series really pulling out verse, num- verse one, where, where Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. And, um, and, and also with that, I've been sharing it with the high, schools, but, uh, high schoolers, but I've also had the chance to do some online Bible studies with Ukrainian refugees, and I've been sharing this message with them as well. And so I'm just excited to share it with you guys. Um, and, I, and I'm just reminded... Um, I'm just reminded of Jesus's, Jesus's words and, and how, how important they are and how we need them in our lives. Um, and my heart tonight is just that we're encouraged, encouraged spending time in his word. Um, and just reminded, you know, even as, as we read, you know, many of us know this, this verse where it says, Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. As we read this, I'm just reminded over and over again that I need to spend that time with Jesus daily that I need to be in his word, that I need to be in prayer, um, that I need to just continue to grow that dependence upon, upon him and his word, um, spending, in, in spending time with him. There's, re- there's really nothing better than spending time with him. Um, and so, you know, as, we, as, as many of you guys, all of us are walking through different seasons of life, and, and there's different seasons. Each season brings its own challenges. Each, each season brings uh, its own busyness, its own anxieties, its own stress, um, emotions, even excitement. And, and we really just need in our lives that consistent, steady voice of Jesus. And that's my hope and my prayer for tonight, that we just, we just, we just receive the words of Jesus. And so verse 1, chapter 14, Jesus says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Um, and so let's just pray for our study tonight, guys. God, we, we just ask that you would, you would minister to us tonight. Um, as we've, we've given our time to you in, in worship and prayer and now study of the word, um, Lord, we, we, we come into this room um, and even, even considering this verse where you tell us not to let our hearts be troubled, I'm sure that there's trouble in this room. I'm sure that there's heaviness. Um, Lord, even just from the coming in on a midweek and the, the busyness of, of life right now, Lord, um, we've come before you tonight just to receive from you. We, want, we, we, we desire that. We, we need that. We depend upon your word. Um, and so would you speak life to us tonight through your word? Uh, would, you, would you help me to articulate the words that you've put on my heart? Um, would you help me to represent you well tonight as we study your word? 
Um, and would you just encourage this church, Lord, whether they're online or here in the room or downstairs, Lord, would you just meet, meet us right here where we're at? You know the cares in our hearts. You know the things racing in our minds. Um, and, and we bring those to you tonight, asking you to, to, to speak to us, to comfort us, to encourage us. We pray that in your name. Amen. Amen. So John chapter 14, verse 1. This is a verse really over the last six weeks or so that the Lord keeps bringing me back to. And I just keep, just keep dwelling on these words. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Um, and I think this is a verse and a phrase that many of us know well. Um, and it, and it really, it's a, it's a call and a command of Jesus to his disciples, to us, to not let our hearts be troubled, even when there's a lot of trouble going on in the world. Um, and, I, and I don't know about you guys, but when, I, when I'm receiving the word of Jesus and I'm, I'm going through the word, sometimes there's challenging things to receive in different seasons of life. Um, and this has been a challenging verse for me to receive um, in this season of my life, where he's calling me to not let my heart be troubled. And, and, and that can be hard, because I can be like, Lord, don't you know, don't you see like, the, the trouble that I'm going through or the, the, the trouble that the world's in? the trouble that my loved, loved ones are in. Like, Lord, don't you see that? And yet he just continues to bring me back to this, this simple command, this simple call, the simple voice of Jesus saying, hey, just don't let your heart be troubled. Uh, so many of you guys know that we, you know, we're, we were missionaries in Ukraine, and then we spent, um, just a couple weeks ago, we went out um, to the Slovakian border right on Ukraine to, to serve uh, some of our friends and the people in the church there. Um, and just watching, you know, watching the things unfold there and the, and the difficulties and hearing the, the emotions and the stories, seeing our dear friends run and scatter um, across Ukraine, across Europe, getting phone calls, messages um, from people all over Ukraine, literally begging for help, like, Byron, please, would you, would you just, would you, would you help me somehow, some way? Or would you, would, you, would you take care of my wife and my kids, make sure that they're safe? Um, seeing the, reading through the news, even the recent news from this last week with, um, you, with Russian troops pulling out, pulling out of this small town called Bucha, a town that we've spent many, many days in. We have dear friends who live in that, in that small town. Um, we've walked those streets. And now seeing the, the, the images of just the, the atrocities that happened in Bucha, in, in a place that we have walked, in, with where people that we love are. And then even just for us being on the border a couple weeks ago, and just seeing um, van load after van load of, of unaccompanied children just being shuttled across into Europe and then sent on to um, wherever, wherever they're sent on to. It's just like troubling things, heavy things. Um, and I know that, that it's troubling you guys as well. And as we, as we look at the times and we look at the news, we see what's happening. Our hearts are troubled. Not just with Ukraine, but everything else on top of that. Whatever else is going on in our lives, it's just trouble. It's heaviness. And so as the Lord brings me back to verse 1, where, he, where Jesus himself, he says, let not your heart be troubled. I'm just like, man, this is This is hard. This is a hard thing for me to receive sometimes. And there's, there's those good days and those bad days where I can like embrace this and, and live in that, that freedom that the Lord's given me. But there's also those days where it's just like troublesome. And it's like, Lord, don't you see? 
But I just love his steady voice, his consistent voice in my life and in the disciples' lives here too. Just the steady voice of don't let your heart be troubled. In other words, he's saying, hey, you know, don't be agitated. Don't be anxious. Don't be worried. Don't be flipped upside down when everything else is flipped upside down. Instead, he just says, believe in me. Trust in me. And it's a super simple message for us. Um, and I think that sometimes we can get frustrated when it's just like the simplicity of Jesus saying just like, hey, just, just trust me. Just believe in me. We can be like, okay, Lord, yeah, I'm, I'm trying. But there's so much trouble going on. So I don't know if you guys have been in those places where, you, where you're just full of anxious thoughts or worries or trouble. I'm sure all of us have. And, and I think we'd all agree that we, we do need Jesus to enter into our hearts and into our lives and just cure that trouble and, and bring us the answers for that trouble. And so that's my heart again for tonight, that we would be encouraged and that we would see the truth that Jesus has for us as we go through very troubling times. And so before we even, like, I want to look at some of these promises that Jesus lays out for us in chapter 14 of, you know, he really backs up this statement and he starts to give us like real, real true promises to hold on to of why we shouldn't let our hearts be troubled. But before we even get to those promises, I want to give us some context and some bigger picture of, of what's going on that causes Jesus to say this. Why, why is he saying this? Who is he saying this to? See, at this point, um, it's 11, 11 disciples. Judas had already left. Um, they're in the upper room there, just, just hours before he's betrayed. Um, he's facing crucifixion the next day. That's Passover weekend, right? And so the disciples are there. They're gathered. They've been celebrating. The disciples had one kind of idea of what was going to happen the following weekend. And, and Jesus starts to unload on them and share with them, like, hey, this is, you know, I'm actually, like, I've been telling you guys all along that I'm going to the cross. And that's where, I'm, that's where the Father's going to be glorified. And so Jesus drops a lot of heavy things here in their life and, and the truth of what's going on, and it's heavy. Um, and, I, and I'm just considering this as I read the text. I always like to try to put myself in the, in the shoes of the people there and like put myself in the shoes of the disciples in that room. Just like, man, what, what, what's going through their mind at this time? You know, they've, they've, they've given up everything to follow Jesus, and now Jesus is telling them that he's headed to the cross. Um, and, and, and the truth for us is that as believers in Christ, like it doesn't, like we're not promised that we're going to have a trouble-free life. And in fact, as we, as we press in further into obedience and faith um, unto the Lord, um, I believe that more and more trouble surrounds us in so many ways. And so the, the disciples are learning that. But I don't think we need to take that as a negative thing. We, we shouldn't take that as a negative thing. As, as believers, we're going to face trouble. Like, no, the Lord, the Lord allows those things for very specific reasons, for him to be glorified for our good. Um, but I want to show you guys some context here. In, in chapter 13, right before Jesus drops, drops the statement on them, in verse, thir or in verse um, 14 of chapter, John chapter 13, they're still in the upper room. You know, there's been talk of, you know, the disciples have been talking like, who's going to be the greatest? We're going to, you know, we're going to serve with Jesus at his right hand in the kingdom. Like, now's the time that he's going to, you know, overthrow the government. And Jesus comes to them and he starts washing their feet. And in verse 14, Jesus says, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. 
For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. In verse 17, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. And so here they are all gathered in the upper room enjoying Passover. The disciples are excited about um, Jesus's, you know, his triumphal entry the week before, like things are rolling. They're, they're excited. And then, and then this, this conversation that they've been having really all along the way, like who's going to be the greatest? You know, when, when Jesus overthrows the Roman Empire, like I'm going to be the greatest among, among the disciples. And, and Jesus breaks all of this conversation up with, with washing their feet. In other words, he's saying like, hey guys, I'm not here to, we're, we're not here to set up this earthly kingdom. Instead, we're, 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 we're going to become servants of all. We're, we're going to die to ourselves. We're going to be bond slaves. Because that's the way for greatness in the kingdom. And I think that this, this was like a troubling statement for the disciples. It's like everything's turning on them. Like, wait, this is, this is what it means to follow Jesus? It means to, to be a servant of all? I've got I, I to wash feet? I've got to be a servant? Like, what? This isn't what we expected. What about all these injustices in the world, Lord? What about the, the oppression of Israel from the Roman Empire? What about the, you know, like all of this evil that's happening in the world, Lord? Can't we, can't we do something about it? Can't we just overthrow it? And, and, and you're, you're God. Can't you do this? He's like, no, no. Guys, we're, we're going we're gonna to be servants of all. The way up is down. I've got to go to the cross. That's going to be the greatest victory. And so the, you, can, you can kind of feel the, the emotion in this room and the, the way things are changing. But then Jesus continues, and he starts to identify his betrayer. And in verse 21 of John 13, it says, When Jesus said these things, he was troubled in spirit, and he testified, and he said, Most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Like, you thought washing feet were hard, but now it's like, hey, one of you, one of you 12, there's a betrayer here in the room, and it's happening tonight. And it's like, man, this is, this is troubling times. The disciples' lives are being turned upside down. And I, I just, you know, God is, yet God is starting to reveal these things that through these events, through these troubles, through, even through the betrayal like, God is going to get glorified in that. Somehow for, for the good of the disciples and somehow for the glory of God. And I want, you, want us to consider that tonight as we, as we really consider our own lives and maybe the own, the own trouble that we're facing in our own lives. Somehow God is using this for your good and for his glory. And that's something that Pastor Ed's taught us for many years. As we suffer as, as God allows trouble and suffering, like it's for, he, God's going to work it all together for the good of those who love him and for his glory. And so just hours before Judas, you know, Judas is betraying him, hours before the, the cross is before Jesus, and really the time is now as Jesus starts to unfold, like, hey, disciples, like this, this is going down tonight. I'm going to be betrayed and killed. In verse, verse 31, the last thing that Jesus really says before he says, let not your heart be troubled, he starts to talk about the glory of being glorified. 
And so in verse 31, it says, when he had gone out, Jesus said, now the son of man is glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him immediately. So if you guys notice here, like five times Jesus uses the word glory or glorified. And, and, and really what Jesus is saying is like, now's the, the moment where God's going to get all the glory. And I think the disciples are kind of putting things together here. They're like, okay, he, he's been talking about death and now like it's starting to click. Um, and now we know, reading through scripture, that the greatest glory of all time was, was Jesus on the cross. That, is how, like, that, that was how the Father was going to be glorified. And so he's talking about this glory that really equals the cross. God's plan and his glory is going to be displayed on that, that troubling cross, that horrific cross. The cross, the biggest glory in the universe, but also at that time, right then and there, the most horrific thing, the most troubling thing. And so we can start to see God's heart in this whole matter, that even through the troubling times, even as things look so bad right here for the disciples, it's actually the greatest day for glory for all time as Jesus heads to the cross for the salvation of my soul and for the salvation of you and for the disciples here. And so this all leads us back to verse 1 of chapter 14. This is, these are all the things that Jesus is saying when he gets right to this point. It's like, man, the, 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 the emotion and the, and the troublesome, like, like everything's changed in this upper room. It went from Passover celebration to he says in verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. See, Jesus never says something like this if, if, if they weren't troubled. If they, if they weren't troubled with all these statements and, and the things pressing in on them, Jesus wouldn't have comforted them with this word. And so he acknowledges the trouble that they have. But I also want to tie it back to verse 21 in, in verse 13. If you notice when I read that, it says that Jesus said these things and he was troubled in spirit. And so we see that Jesus was also troubled, like being fully God and fully human. He experienced those emotions and that heaviness as he's facing the cross. We also know that, you know, when his, his friend Lazarus died, he, he wept. We know that as he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was um, just grieved, crying out to the Father, sweating like drops of blood. He was so, in so much agony. And here it says his, his, his spirit was troubled as he predicted Judas's betrayal. And then, he, and then in verse 1 of 14, he tells the disciples, don't let your heart be troubled. And I bring, that brings comfort to me to see that Jesus was also troubled in spirit. That he was, he was experiencing the heaviness. That he doesn't condemn me for the heaviness and, and, and seeing the, the difficulties around here. But also he wants to walk us through that. He wants to take us into the, the promises that he has for us. And so I would encourage you guys today as, as you're here tonight and whatever you're sorting through in your own life and in your own heart, if you're just waiting for your circumstances to change, to improve so that you can have a trouble-freed heart, so that you can truly embrace this command of God from verse 1 to not let our hearts be troubled. If you're just waiting for things to change, it's not going to happen. Like maybe, maybe our circumstances will change, but there's always going to be another thing around the corner. Like that's, that's we live in a sin-soaked world. 
Yet if we're ready to meet the great physician, if we're ready to meet Jesus and receive his word and his promises into our lives, if we're ready to listen and to pay attention and to abide and trust, I believe and I know and I've experienced that he has the answer for a troubled heart. That I can still live in a very troubling time and, and experience the, troubled, the troubledness of this world, yet also I can embrace this, this, this promise where he says, you don't, like, don't let your heart be troubled. And so I'm super thankful for John chapter 14 because it doesn't end with John 13. Like if it ended with John 13, it kind of would have been just like, yeah, there's a lot of trouble going on and Jesus doesn't just say, yeah, get over it, get through it, you'll be fine, you'll make it. But he brings in, but he starts to, like John, John 14 gives us, gives us some answers. It gives us some promises that we can hold on to in troubling times. He, Jesus just doesn't just, just abandon us, but he, he, he enters in with the great compassion and great empathy and great mercy in our trouble. And, and, and his, his heart breaks as well. And he enters in and he says, let's, let's walk through this together. Let not your heart be troubled. Trust me. Walk with me. Abide in me. Trust me. Hold on to my words. And so I want to share with you guys in um, chapter 14, uh, three things really that uh, we can hold on to. Really what, what we would, I would say is the, the cure or the answer for our troubled hearts. And so let's read verse 1 to 6 here in chapter 14. It says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And then verse 4, And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And then Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So the first thing that Jesus really gives to us in answer to our troubled hearts is that we need to know about our, our home in heaven as we believe in Jesus. That there's a hope, that there's a future, that this troublesome world is not all that the Lord has for us. God's created us to desire a home. God's created us to, to be at home with him. And the thing is that God loves us and he wants, you, he, he, he wants to know you, and he wants you to be, to come home. He wants you to abide in Christ. He wants you to believe in his son so that you can have everlasting life. That you can spend time with the Father through Jesus Christ. No one else except through Jesus Christ. And so Jesus really is saying here to us and to the disciples, don't let your heart be troubled. Check out what I'm going to do. Check out what I'm doing. I'm going to prepare a place for you. There's many mansions in my father's house. If this wasn't true, I, wasn't gonna, I wouldn't tell you. And he's just speaking with such great confidence and great authority of, of what's up ahead for us as we believe in him. And maybe like when there's trouble in your life, maybe, maybe you feel like there, there's no hope. Maybe you even feel like you don't have a home here on earth. Or maybe you don't feel like you have a family or a community. 
And God wants to tell you tonight here from his word that you have a home as you believe in Jesus. In Jesus, you have a home. And that's a real thing. You're not lost. As you believe in Jesus Christ, like, man, you have everything. You have eternal life. And Jesus is preparing a place for you. That's amazing truth for us to hold on to. I think we, we so often forget that the reality of heaven and the truth of heaven, especially as we live in a world that is so focused on the here and now and, um, you know, even just the culture that we live in, it's like a very instant satis- um, um, culture that, that's just for satisfaction and, you know, all of that. And Jesus is like, hey, let's, let's get your eyes off of the worries of today and look, look towards these promises that as you believe in Jesus Christ, man, there is eternity for you. And I love this, how personal it is. Like Jesus is saying, I'm, I, I'm telling you this because I'm going to prepare it for you. Like Jesus personally is preparing the place for us because he loves you. He cares for you. He knows you. He knows your heart. He knows, he knows, like he's the one who created you. Therefore, isn't he going to have the best place in store for you in heaven? And so I love how, how confident Jesus is speaking here as he's just saying, hey, you know where I'm going in the way you know. Like we, Jesus didn't wonder about everlasting life. He wasn't doubting eternal life. But it's just like matter of fact, I'm going to prepare and, and that's, that's the fact. There's room for you in heaven as you believe in Jesus. It's a wonderful promise, and, and I love this promise. So just holding, holding on to that, he says, don't let your heart be troubled. You need to know about your future home. You need to about, know about your home in heaven. But I think even with this promise that we, that we have in Jesus, like I, I think our hearts can still be troubled. We can still have anxieties. We can still have those heaviness, the, the things that are heavy that like, just overwhelm us. And, and Jesus knows that. He continues to give us more. He's like, okay. Like, I, I, I know I have more for you. Would you just embrace my, my promises here? And so in verse 6, he continues, he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then verse 7, he says, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him, and you have seen him. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. And then verse 11, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. And so the second thing really that Jesus is telling us here is like, okay, he's like, you have a hope, you have a future in heaven, but also you have a chance to know God the Father. And as you grow in your knowledge and your abiding relationship and your, your, your trust with the Father, as you grow in that relationship, that's also going to start to answer things in your troubled life. We don't want to miss the point here as Philip is asking questions, you know, and I, and I love chapter 14 and 
13 and 15, like really just like the disciples and, and just like really this informal conversation going on with Jesus. It's, it's wonderful. But here, Philip is asking him these, these questions, Lord, show us the Father, and it's sufficient for us. And really, Jesus' response is like, Philip, haven't you been with me? You've been with me for three years. You've been walking with me. You've been serving with me. You've, you've known me. And don't you know that I am and, and the Father are one? And Jesus really is saying, saying to, to, to us and to Philip, he's saying, like, you can, be, you can be full of passion. You can be full of knowledge. You can be full of Christian service and, and, you know, being a good person or whatever it is, but not know Jesus. You can still miss the point of, of, of knowing an abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. And so really a question for us as we, as we bring our troubled hearts to the Lord is, do we know the Lord? Do we, do we really know him? Because without knowing God in a personal and intimate way, all the, all the Christian service and good works that we could ever do, it's never going to calm our hearts. It's never going to bring peace to our troubled hearts. We can't, we can't outdo the trouble that's coming on us. The cure really is just to know Jesus. And so, the, so often I think that the issues in our just even our, our human thinking and our culture is like we see something troubling happening, so I'm going to get involved and do something good to make myself feel better, and then I can move on to the next thing. I'm going to do something else just to make myself feel better, then move on to the next thing. And you're going to find out that, that that's just a cycle, that you're never really going to have an answer for your troubled heart. You're never going to really truly know peace. That's all just covering up the troubled heart. You have to know God himself. You have to know and have a relationship with God through his word through prayer. We really need to know God relationally, personally, intimately. Like, does he really know me and do I really know him? Are we on like that name, you know, face-to-face, name, name basis, friendship, relationship? Or, or is it just kind of a covering to continue on with my own, my own agendas or like trying to work out my own problems? Because without, without God and Jesus Christ penetrating the, to, the, to the depths of our heart, we're not going to experience the promises that he gives us, that Jesus Christ promises a peace that passes all understanding that's going to guard our hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. If we don't know Jesus, how can we experience that peace that passes all understanding? And so really what, what Jesus here is telling us is like, hey, the Father is revealed through me. You can have access into the to the holy of holies. You can have a relationship with the God of the universe, the God who knows your trouble, the God who knows your cares, the God who knows your, your burdens. You can have relationship with him. You can believe in him. You can trust him. You can walk through even the valley of shadow of death with him. Because that's really the whole point of the gospel. That's why Jesus came, died, and rose again, really. Like he came, died, and rose again, not not just, not just to, you know, prepare, our, prepare a place for us in heaven, although that's like a huge bonus. Like, that's a great thing that we have eternity with God. But like, what's the heart be- behind God sending his own son to die for us on the cross? Why does God want to forgive us? Why doesn't God want us to go to hell? Why is he preparing that place for me in heaven? It all comes down to this. It all comes down to this relationship with God the Father. He wants to know you on a, name, uh, on a one-to-one basis. He wants to know you in an intimate and personal way. It's relationship, knowing him. That's really his greatest desire and our greatest purpose, to just dwell with God. 
you guys want to read uh, Revelation 21 on your own, dropping some homework for you guys on a Wednesday night. So Revelation 21, um, it's, a, it's an explanation of what's, what's going on in the kingdom age. And we don't get a lot of, we don't, we don't see a lot of what's happening other than God's dwelling with his people and the people will be with God. And it's like, man, that's going to be amazing. Like we're going to just be there dwelling with God. That's the whole purpose. That's the whole direction that God is taking us. Um, and that's, that's the, the whole message of the gospel to get us to that place to dwell with God. And yet we can dwell with him now. Through Jesus Christ, we can have that abiding relationship. And the cure for our troubled heart is knowing God. When you know the Father, when you know the Son, when you know the Holy Spirit, when you know God in this relationship, in this growing relationship, you know, what, I, what I'm learning is like the more I grow in my relationship with the Lord, the more I, I get to know who God is and know his heart everything else of this world starts to become a little more secondary. Even the, even the great troubles that I have faced in my life become a little second, more secondary compared to knowing God the Father. Between, like, man, how cool is that? That, like, he becomes, you know, Colossians would say that we should fix our eyes on the things above and not on the things of the earth. The only, the only way we can know that is, like, by spending time with Jesus, and so how important it is, you know, that the Lord's reminding me, you know, this is a busy season of life. Like for, for me and Emily, like super busy with, with uh, youth ministry and then um, with the stuff with Ukraine and, and just like a lot of, you know, just emotions and, 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 and we can get so caught up. Like the temptation is just to get caught up with going, going, going. And, and we start to neglect without even really realizing that time just spending with the Lord and, uh, and that time of prayer and that time in his word. But like our, our lives get so backwards sometimes where our life is more, like the things going on in our life are becoming more important than knowing God the Father. It's got to be the other way around. Or else we're going to just be consistently like troubled and, and out of line. So I love this. Like even in the trouble that surrounds us as we grow in our relationship with God and know him more and more and just enjoy, enjoy his presence, the, the trouble that surrounds becomes secondary. And in verse 10, I'll read this again. It says, Jesus says, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. And so this is really like the key to like, how do we get to know God? How do we get to know God better? How do we grow in, in relationship with him? Jesus says, like, by listening to my words. The words that Jesus speaks are the words that God speaks. Listen to his word. Speak to him. Spend, spend that time with him. I want to I know God more than I've ever known him before, especially in this time. Like as we're, as we're wrestling with all the emotions of, um, of, the, of the war in Ukraine and all the emotions of, of the people that we love that are going through, as we're wrestling with these things and, and bringing them to the Lord, like I just want to know Jesus more. I just want to know his heart more. I want, to, I want to experience his mercy and his peace and his comfort more than I've ever in my life. And, and I'm learning, you know, like I can, like the Lord's going to take me through this, this season of a troubled heart. Like he's been so faithful to bring me thus far, he's going to continue to do it. But I can't get through it without knowing the Lord. Can't get through it without that abiding relationship. Because after this, after John 14, the next chapter, John 15, it's all about abiding in Jesus. It's all about that relationship with him. 
And so knowing God just doesn't happen um, on its own, but we get the joy of going through his word as a church and individuals, as a family, praying together, praying on our own, growing and knowing God. And so I, I love this. You know, I love that Jesus starts to give us these things. After he tells us not to let our hearts be troubled, he backs it up with these glorious promises. He's like, hey, you can know. You know you have a home in heaven, but you also can know, you can know God the Father. You can have an intimate, close relationship. There's still more of him that you can know. There's still more you can spend time with him. There's still more of his grace. And like his grace and his mercy is so unlimited in our lives. And he wants to pour that out, the blessings he wants to pour out in our lives. If we would just tap into that and enjoy that relationship and not neglect our prayer life and not neglect our devos, as the Lord just wants to pour into that. Like we don't, we don't do these things. We don't pray. We don't come to church. We don't do devos just to, just to do them. But we do them to grow in our, in our abiding walk with Jesus. Like he has so much he wants to pour into our lives. I want, I want him to know me and I want to know him in greater ways. And so, knowing God, knowing God the Father, knowing that we're going to heaven, these are two things that we can say. After I say those things, we can say, okay, don't let your heart be troubled. I know my Father and I know my home. That gives me great peace. That gives me great assurance as we go forward. But Jesus continues even more. And in verse 12, John 14, he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater work than these he will do, because I go to my Father. And in verse um, 13, he says, And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And so I want you guys to, to notice this, um, this phrase here in verse 12. He says that I will do greater works. Greater works. And, that, and that, that phrase just jumped out to me recently as I'm reading through this. There's greater works for those who believe in Jesus. He who believes in him, it's like, man, He's going to do greater things in and through our lives. And I want to know those things. I want to experience those things. Jesus, and as Jesus is talking about this, it's like, man, what's, what's greater than everything that Jesus is doing here in his earthly ministry? What's greater than the, the healings of the sick? What's greater than the, you know, the, the multiplication of the, the, the bread and the fish? Like all these amazing miracles, water to wine, all these things. Like what could be greater than these great miracles that Jesus is doing? And I believe it's the salvation and it's God's expanding his kingdom and the church going out and God using vessels like you and me to reach other people. These greater works, salvation, the church expanding, people added to heaven, people knowing God. And he wants to do those things through us. So that's like super exciting to me. Like I want to be part of that. I want to be part of greater works. I don't want to just be part of like getting through the day, I want to be part of greater works that God has in store for us, that he wants to do in and through me by his spirit. We don't have time to continue through the text tonight, but if you would keep reading John 14, it's like it, it talks about God sending the, the helper, the Holy Spirit. It starts to talk about the peace that he's going to leave with us and the, and the work that the Holy Spirit is going to do in our lives. And God has so much for us. And so I'd encourage you guys, even, even as, as you go through troubling times, even when your heart is troubled and you, and you receive these words from Jesus, make your prayer to be looking for the greater things that Jesus wants to do. 
right here, right here in Calvary Church, right here in Aurora, or in your neighborhood, or in your workplace, or your family. Like, the Lord desires to do more. The Lord desires to do things that we can't even imagine in your, in your neighborhood, or your school, or your workplace, or your family. Like, man, and then, and then not, not only just here in Aurora, but to the ends of the earth. He wants to do great works to the ends of the earth, and he might want to use you to the ends of those earth. Like, I never thought that, you know, when I first got saved, never thought I would go to Eastern Europe. Um, and then just even a few weeks ago, I didn't think I was going to go to Eastern Europe again when there was a war. Like, but the Lord wants to do greater things. I never thought that I was going to have the privilege to, to pastor high school students and see the Lord working in their lives in mighty ways and go to, go to Mexico with high schoolers to share the gospel. Like, that's an amazing, great works that God is doing to expand his kingdom. And he's inviting us to be part of that. It's so exciting. And so as, we, as, we, as he wants to do this greater, life, this greater work in your life, and when you realize that and when you fully embrace that like, and you see what God has in store for you and what he wants to do, I promise you that you're going to want to be into it. And you're going to want to be, you, you, you have the, the, you're going to start to have this attitude that Isaiah had where he's just like, Lord, I'm here. Send me, Lord. I'm ready to go. And, and, and you know, there, there's something so much bigger than just, just that trouble that's surrounding us today. And the Lord wants to, to break you through that. You know, I think that we can get so caught up in our own lives and our own routines where our lives just become getting to the weekend or getting through our work day or, you know, just, just getting through life. And that's, that's not the Lord's heart for us. There's something bigger than just getting to the weekend. There's something bigger than just getting through our, you know, if it's a, like a nine to five job and just clocking out. Like the Lord has, like the Lord wants to do something great in your life right now, today. And so we have this purpose that we can go out and represent Jesus to a world, to a world that is way more troubled than we are. Like we're troubled as believers, but we have a hope of heaven. We know the Father, and we can bring that hope to other people. Like I don't know how people are dealing with this world without that hope. And yet the Lord has called us and he's asking us to go, to go and be those vessels to bring that hope, to bring that, that, that peace to people. And so that's why we serve. That's why we get involved. That's why we just look and pray for ways to represent Jesus in our neighborhood, in our workplace, to the ends of the earth. So God said greater, and I believe that he meant greater. And I'm going to take him for face value here. He wants to do greater works, so I'm going to just knock on the door and see what he has. I want to knock on the door and see what he has. I want to make myself available. That's the greatest, one of the greatest things I learned when I first, first started serving and walking with the Lord um, is just, just make myself available. Just say yes. And it, and, it, and it freaked me out at first, like when I first you know, got invited to, to share. You know, my first place of ministry ever was here in the junior high room, and uh, the pastor at the time asked me to teach. And I'm like, oh, I, don't, I, I can't do that. Even today, I'm like, oh, I don't know. But it's like, okay, no, I'm just going to make myself available and say, okay, God, yes, I'm, I, I want to be used. And I know you have something greater, not just to do it through me, but to do in me. And so, you know, even just, just coming back to the great things that God wants to do. Our trip, to, our trip out to um, Europe a few weeks ago was very troubling. 
But at the same time, even in the midst of some of the most heartbreaking situations I've ever experienced, I also saw great works. We also saw things that God could only do. Moments where we were able to share the gospel section to section in a train packed full of Ukrainian refugees and, and bring them a meal that they hadn't had for, for days or buy them a cup of tea and then share the gospel with them. Like things that I thought I could never do or would never be part of. Or even, you know, back in 2014, we were, we were church planning right on the um, Russian border and, and the, the beginning of this war kind of started back in 2014 and we had to, we had to evacuate our apartment and we lost our apartment. And there, there I am a few weeks ago speaking with another family that had also evacuated in 2014 and then they're here again in 2022, evacuating again, losing everything for a second time of their life. And I'm, I'm in there able to, I turned to Second Chronicles 20 and I got to share the gospel with them and through how even though the enemy's pressing in, that they can still have a hope in Jesus. They can keep their eyes on the Lord. And these, these greater things, people just trusting the Lord in horrific times. Sharing the gospel, there's greater things. And it's like, man, so exciting to be part of. I want to enter into people's lives like that. I want to be available, not to shy away from the trouble, but to embrace the trouble with Jesus, who's going to carry me through it, so that, I can, so that I can minister the gospel, so that Jesus can save people, so that his, that his kingdom can be expanded. And so greater things. I love it. I love Jesus' just reassurance here. You know, I, we don't have the, the tone of voice that he's speaking in, in chapter 14, but it's just 11 guys there in the upper room. I would imagine that it's quiet. It's full of compassion and mercy. And he's just saying, yes, I know, guys. I know things are troubling. But don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. I've got a purpose for your life. I know it feels like you can't catch your breath right now. I know it feels like your world's been flipped upside down. I know it feels like everything's crashing down on you. But it's not because I'm with you and I've got great things for you. And I'm going to be glorified on the cross so that the world can know the gospel and get saved. And so there, there's, there's great works for us that we can go represent Jesus. And so Jesus says these three things, you know. I would encourage you guys to read through the rest of chapter 14 because there's even more promises. But these are the th three things that the Lord's been ministering to me this, the last few weeks of just like how he's, he's, he's backing up his statement. Don't let your heart be troubled. You know about your home in heaven in Jesus? You can grow in this abiding relationship with the Father. You know the Father. And you know that God wants to do greater works in and through you. And so I encourage you guys as a church to take these things and embrace them and run with them. Fix your eyes on heaven. Grow in your relationship with Jesus. And get out there and share the gospel and, and serve people and love people to the ends of the earth. And I promise you, as you, as you embrace those things that Jesus has for you, it doesn't mean we're going to be trouble-free life but it does mean he's going to help us navigate through that trouble and we can embrace that trouble with, with just our faith in the Lord. And so I just want to pray with us tonight as we close. And so, Father, we, we do just thank you for these, these words. I thank you so much for John chapter 14.
um, just your words, and I, I thank you that I can just go back to it even on a daily basis right now and, and soak it in and continue to learn from you. And so, God, I, I pray for pray for these things here that Jesus lays out for us. And I pray that our we would take our troubled hearts, we would take our grief, we would take our anxieties or fears or depression, all the, all the burdens that we carry into this room tonight, Lord. Your, your word says in 1 Peter 5, 7 that we can cast our cares upon you because you care for us. It's not just casting our cares on you, but it's casting our cares because you care for us. You know these hurts, you know these things, you know this trouble. You see the injustices of the world. You see Ukraine, you see the people there, but you also see this room, Lord. And the trouble in this room is, is just as real. And we need you, we desperately need you. And we cry out to you to, to be that Prince of Peace in our lives. To wash us with your, your grace and your mercy to fill us with your peace that passes all understanding, to guard our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus. Would you do this work in, in, in our lives here at the church? And then would you scatter us, Lord, as we go back out into the week, whatever is before us, so that we can represent you well. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.